When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up? All right, let's do it. This is going to be a different one. Yes, so we may or may not have a podcast next week. We'll get to why. (laughs) But, well, let's do it now, right? Yeah. So basically, we run Charisma on Command. That's the full-time gig. This is our secondary project. Yes. But we might have a new secondary project, in which case the podcast would get on (laughs) hold. Yeah. So we will see. We're going to do some research this week. It's a long story. We'll definitely have a podcast either next week or the week after, even yeah. if it's our last one. So subscribe and hit the notification bell, I guess. <laughs> so here's how it all came about. We, last week, were hanging out at some point, and our friend texted us and said, you have to listen to the Mike Tyson, Tony Robbins hotboxing because something crazy happens. <laughs> so we listened. We've been big fans of Tony for a while. And one of the things about Tony Robbins is that he's on script. I've, I've seen so many interviews of him, and I've heard him repeat himself. I, I don't, I'm not joking when I say 30-plus times. <laughs> He has the same things that he says in every interview, except in this one, Mike Tyson says, I've heard you've done the toad or, you know, his friend says that. And Tony starts talking about his experience on 5-MeO DMT. So if you don't know what 5-MeO is, Ben, you of course do. Uh, (laughs) 5-MeO DMT is a compound that is found in the glands of one particular toad that lives, I believe, out in the Sonoran Desert. And they only discovered this 20 to 30 years ago that if you take that compound and you smoke it, it creates psychedelic experiences. In fact, one of the most intense psychedelic experiences known to man. And so Tony Robbins, mainstream guy, at least in the self-improvement world, does 5-AMO DMT. Well, main, mainstream guy and also he's very image conscious. Very so image conscious. there's a lot conscious. that Tony – like Tony has a tattoo. Yeah. You will never see it. Yes. And you will hear about it very infrequently. And also – He's done you, other psychedelics, I think, but he never really talks about it. If you go it. to his events, he swears like a sailor. You know, if mm-hmm. you see him in any sort of public meeting outside of that, yeah, though, you, he doesn't – He's he's got modes that he can enter into. Sure. And I don't mean this as a criticism. No, no, no. <laughs> but what it means – what it made us realize is – that these things that we like, these plant medicines or psychedelics, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, that we find to be incredibly good for self-improvement are no longer fringe. Yeah. Like when, once upon a time, it was very rare. The first friend I had that ever did ayahuasca told me about it. I said, you're insane. This yeah. sounds crazy. You're going to go do this thing, see things that aren't real, throw up. That's, that's nuts. I want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. It's gotten to the point where Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, a lot of people who are pretty cognizant of what their brand is yeah are comfortable talking about it and simultaneously the government is fast tracking legalizing mdma psilocybin for therapeutic purposes yes so we were thinking we so, love this yeah. 
Well, we, to, we should be clear what this is. So this, I've done a video on my ayahuasca experience. That was the first. I've now done several since then. And uh, let's backtrack because some of our fans might not have even seen this. So what is what is all of this stuff, sure. right? So I did a video if you want me to go more in depth into my first experience doing this. Uh, but I should start by saying, because I think this is important. The same is true of Tony. I have never smoked a cigarette. I've never smoked weed. I've never eaten a gummy. I've never done any of that. I stopped drinking with any sort of like intent to get drunk probably five to seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. Cocaine? So, Never did cocaine. No, never did any of it. Wait, heroin? Heroin? <laughs> Black tar heroin? Black tar heroin. Salvia? Uh, so haven't done anything, and I'm not a thrill seeker. Yeah. That's not – that would never compel me to, to do pretty much anything. I haven't jumped out of an airplane. That's not how, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. That's not how I'm wired. Boring. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> so when – Everyone's like, where's Ben's caveat? Yeah, where's Ben? What haven't you done? <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. I don't interrupt. Go Smile ahead. more. <laughs> so when a couple, two and a half years ago or whatever at this point, you approached me and said, hey, there, we have an opportunity to do ayahuasca. It was not for me for thrill-seeking purposes. No, it, and I was doing it because I was in a relationship and I wasn't happy. Yes. And I didn't know what to do. I was mm -hmm. trying to make it work and I couldn't figure out how to make us both happy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to break up with her. In hindsight, we were both fairly addicted to each other, pseudo codependent. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what to do. We're not happy together. I can't imagine us apart. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go to do I'm this stuck. thing. I'm going to go to this stuck. thing called yeah. ayahuasca because nothing else is working. I've done these personal development programs. I've tried all this NLP. I've done all the self work, meditating, whatever it is. It's mm -hmm. not working. And I had a friend, a couple of friends who were like, dude, this ayahuasca thing is amazing. And then yeah. my one friend who I really, really trust when it comes to anything related to substances. He's, he's a pseudo chemist. You know what I mean? He will test things specifically before trying them. And he knows exactly what to do. He said, mm -hmm. I'm going to this woman to do ayahuasca and uh, came back, said it was amazing. So let dinner. me let me pause here. So amazing, to be clear, is not like when someone's like cocaine is amazing. What that means when no, they say no. that is that they went out to a club and were really high energy and talked to everybody. And, no. you know. and, and I went. So like I said, I well, went originally. So, so ayahuasca being amazing, I just want to pause because people still might not know what ayahuasca is. Well, I'm going to say. So okay. I, went, I went for this therapeutic purpose i went for mm -hmm. this reason of better understanding myself my relationship with my girlfriend whether we should be together whether we should be apart what to do about it mm -hmm. and what i think that ayahuasca does at least for me is it gives you a very clear line of communication to your subconscious which a lot of research has shown that's what calls the shots so they've done studies where they you think you're making a decision but the brain scan shows that your brain made the decision five seconds earlier and what your uh very fancy neocortex is doing is justifying the decision that your deeper brain already made. Mm -hmm. And so when I do ayahuasca, for me, it cuts through a lot of my self-deception and it gives me a clear line of communication to see what's actually going on. So mm -hmm. I, for the first time, could see with real eyes what I think other people might have already seen about my relationship that I was blind to. Mm -hmm. So that was my first experience. Subsequently, I've gone through and it's unrepressed emotions. It's kind of unrepressed memories. It's yeah. it's really really good. People say it's like five years of therapy. Yeah. So we could talk. So and even even just backtracking a little bit, it is a plant <laughs> that, <laughs> that that grows in the Amazon that has been used for these sorts of rituals. So five meo comes from a toad. Ayahuasca, the active ingredient, I believe, is NMDMT, and it it grows in the Amazon. It's been used in these sort of rituals. It has a much longer history than five meo DMT in terms of tribal usage for. Uh, going to the next stage of your life and vision quests and those sorts of things. And now it's it's being introduced increasingly to the Western world in the last 50-ish years. So I think we're all, <laughs> we're all starting from the same base. I have a similar experience to you. And I often think of people 
it had been said, and everyone kind of knows, like, here's the iceberg, and here's your conscious mind. It's only 10%, 90%. Your heart is beating. Your kidneys are working. And you, yeah, 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 I got you. But you still identify. The important part is the 10%. The important part is the 10%. Because yeah, yeah. I know what I'm thinking. And when somebody asks me, why did you do that? Well, what do I do? I think about it. And yep. I give them the answer of why I did that thing. What ayahuasca yeah. does is it shows you it's like this. Yeah, even when you're like, why do I love this person? <laughs> I know why. I can list reasons. Yes. I could write a paper yes. on it. And you take ayahuasca and you go, oh. Now I know. So that's what's happening. I often, yeah, it's, I've talked about free will in the same way, but it's kind of like you're on a roller coaster in the dark and somebody asks you, well, why did you go right? And you're like, well, I leaned right. And then I yeah. did it. No, it's, no, there was a, something was guiding you that way but that you were unaware of. I'm not a determinist. I actually do. I'm sure. pro free will. And I still think that ayahuasca does do that. Yeah. I think you go in and depending on where you go, there's a, there's a intention to it and there's ritual to it. So you go in. You meet with the people that you're going to be doing it with. You set an intention and you take it and then you do this deep dive into your own mind. And I have found, even though I believe in free will, that you don't know what's going on in your own mind. And mm -hmm. ayahuasca can really help you figure it out. So let's – so Should, don't do it because it's illegal, but this is my experience. So, here, so I'll give you the, the fast forward at the end. Then we can talk about mm -hmm. sort of what we've gotten out of it. What we thought about when we saw Tony Robbins do this is – Charisma on Command has always been us helping us two to three years ago with whatever we were working on two to three years mm -hmm. ago. It started with dating was super important. Then it was making friends and being confident and feeling good. And two to three years ago is when we first came across this, except there's been a block because, one, legally you can't just send people to do this. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that it's safe and that they're well taken care of. Well, and, and, it's, and it's, Not only is it illegal, it's, yeah. it's dangerous if you go to the wrong person. Exactly. So it's the kind of thing where even though we really <clears> – <throat> find it to be profound for ourselves mm -hmm. there's nowhere to send people to there's nowhere exactly. that i can go this place can handle people going at scale mm -hmm. it has a good curriculum where i know everyone will get taken care of it's safe i know where they source everything and it's legal yes so what can you do people ask us hey where do i go what do i do people write in the comments like i can't help you with this even exactly. though it's been incredibly helpful for me so, so when these mainstream people <laughs> were talking about it, we realized wow this is going to eventually be legal mm -hmm. i would bet a lot of money on it it's all eventually going to be allowed and it's becoming more mainstream. So we were thinking Charisma on Command was designed to help people. This is the thing we're doing today to help ourselves. It would be really cool to get this out to people in a good way so it can help them the way it's helping us. Mm -hmm. So we're going to spend the next week or two looking into yeah. Is that possible? I don't know if Practicalities, it's legalities, mm -hmm. what would have to happen? What sort of program or curriculum would you want? This is obviously is not something that I threw myself into, and it's definitely not something that I'm going to throw an audience into. But to begin the process that would obviously take no, years out. You need to hire work. a lawyer. You need <laughs> yeah. to find a place to source it. You need to figure out a, a good location to do it. And then yeah. you need to get a curriculum. Yeah. Similar to how Charisma University is very meticulously laid out every yes. day. Yes. You want someone showing up. You don't just want to give them the medicine. You mm -hmm. want them to have a very structured beneficial setup so that you know they're going to be safe and get a lot out of it mm -hmm. it's a lot of work and we got to figure out if we can set this up legally anywhere in the world yeah. right now yeah because we might not be able to so all that to say that next week we may do a podcast but we are giving ourselves the flexibility to not do a podcast so that, so we, can... that we can deep dive on this research yep so that's what's going on with the podcast let's talk about why because you've, you've mentioned briefly sure well to start though if anybody knows anything about this stuff if you if you comments. have researched this you know where to research this you go oh yeah there's a great place oh you can do it if it's this i had some misconceptions where i thought oh you can do these things to make it legal in the u.s and my friend who's looked into a lot 
corrected me and said, no, mm-hmm. anyone who claims that is just wrong. Yeah. I've looked into it. So, so yeah, if anybody has any good places for us to or, start or researching resources, this. we're learning, we're very much in the exploratory learning mm-hmm. phase. And this might turn out to be impractical. Yeah. Two weeks from now, we might yeah. go, it's not possible right now. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah. Let's do current events. So, <laughs> so let's talk about what we got out of our experiences. I'll, no, go ahead. I, I kind of already gave my first one. Sure. So I want the first one. You can watch the video on that. It was an inner child thing. I'll leave that to the video. I've since gone a couple times since then. And the second time what came up was anger. <laughs> Furious <laughs> anger. I've alluded to this in a video, but I didn't necessarily talk about the psychedelic aspect of it. But at one point, I was digging my, my fingernails into my palms so much that it hurt. And I was clenching my teeth to the degree that it felt like my head was going to Which is funny because in your real life, you're never angry. Never angry. By real life, never I mean your life not on these yeah. substances. It's like the you, Hulk. You take, <laughs> no, you take pride in it. You go, I'm, yeah. I've never been angry. I'm not an angry person. Yeah. You know, just a calm guy. Yeah, the secret is. <laughs> the secret is you're always furious. You have repressed rage. So, so that was, I felt like in that experience, it was really good, but I also had an opportunity to let it out and I couldn't. I did, there was too many people around. I felt, un, like, I felt, no, this is not right. You're, you're, the noises that you're making are distracting from this group. And so I kind of stuffed it back. Mm. But then I finished. I was like, oh, my God, that was my chance. That was my chance to finally tap into this. So I, I went back with a bit more zeal a couple times. You were like, hey, man. Yeah, maybe the, <laughs> we, were, we had different frequencies. Yeah. I was calling every <laughs> so, three to four months. Yeah, I had a period of time where I went, I went more frequently than that. But it was I, – I, had felt something inside myself that I knew was part of me, but I previously didn't think was part of me. So I went back and, and I didn't had, fully understand and didn't understand. So I went back and had an experience with five MEO DMT. This is one where Tony Robbins, everybody, they talk about it. And I think eight out of 10 people will tell you it's the most blissful, magical oh, yeah. experience of your life. Dude, the best Tyson, uh, what's Mike Tyson has yeah. the best one. He's talking to Joe Rogan. Have you done the toad? Yeah. It's inconceivable. <laughs> yeah. He's just so happy. It's yeah. the best thing he's ever yeah. done in his whole life. Yeah. What was your experience? It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole <laughs> life. And when I say that, that's an understatement. It was, and I, I, I want people to approach this responsibly. It was excruciating. It was, and I don't say that to turn you on or off, just to tell you the truth of my experience. I disappeared and died, and I did not like it. I did not like it at all. Everything that I associated with Charlie Hooper was slipping away, and I was trying to grab onto any fragment, any memory I could. And when I came to... 15 minutes later, I was screaming and covered in my own tears. And my stomach hurt from the yelling that I had done. And then the shaman said, okay, we're going to do another. And I said, no. (laughs) But I, I, again, I sensed that there was something there. And the second time on that experience, it was that anger that that came up. And this time, instead of the sadness, it was like rage, just just pounding the ground rage and so i left there but but knowing that something inside me had shifted but couldn't tie it to anything and didn't know what was going on even if we had a center right now zero people would convert from yeah, this. <laughs> go, yeah. This sounds i'm not well i don't ever want to i think it's important to never sell no anyone i agree on this i actually didn't after you came back because i'd never done yeah 5meo you, you, you described this to me and you're like yeah i think you should do it i was like I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> nah, that's a no for me, dog. But so it's interesting. So the, the, I promised myself in the midst of this experience and shortly after, I will never do that to you again. But within hours of leaving, I was like, man, we can't. 
you know that there's things in your life on non-psychedelic experiences that you have to do and you don't want to and you know it's going to be awful and this was just one of those that was undeniable for me and so i came back but this time i did i had an experience on ayahuasca and that was i think actually this then became the hardest experience (laughs) of my life and it was really really hard and it was impossible to describe my heart race is thinking about it but one of the things that came out was unrepressed memories of being abused and it was sexual abuse as a kid wasn't my mom wasn't my dad like nobody go on a on a witch hunt please but things that i thought I, I, they were like dreams in my head kind of mm-hmm. as and and it i i realized i've thought of these things in the past but they had always had a an unreality to them mm-hmm. like it wasn't me and so it but it happened <laughs> and it's it's a hundred percent confirmed that it happened uh and i had every experience in a psychedelic fashion so the first one was confusion and is this me am i gay what is happening to me and then the reality that this happened but all of the emotions that i couldn't process then this is why it was the hardest experience of my life came up in a period of about three to four hours so i'm sitting there and I've got this this deep confusion over what am I? Why is this happening to me? Is this even my body? Was a feeling that I had. And I'm touching my legs and going, this is my body. And I'm, you know, of course, in retrospect, realizing I disassociated so hard, like complete out-of-body experiences to the point where memories were just split off. Um, so an experience of confusion, does this mean I'm gay? This is typical in these sorts of situations, but this was someone that I loved and admired and looked up to you know and so like i i must i i do want to say i want them to like me i want all of these things does that mean that i brought this on myself what does that mean about me and then towards the end of it which was you know i went to italy with my family which was a direct result of this i realized in that night that it had driven a split between me and particularly my dad and i would say my mom and even everyone in my family and Mm -hmm. for various reasons with my dad i realized i had this incredible shame like how could he respect or love me after this happened? Um, and so it, you know, it put us at odds in a way that that I couldn't. I, you know, I talked about issues with my dad and why we work. If you don't know what the core is, yeah, yeah I remember. You can't no, you, you and can't your dad address always, it. Always had a headbutting. It wasn't anything bad. Yeah, you know, yeah. It wasn't physically abusive. It wasn't terrible. But you just always butted heads. And, and we still always, do. To be clear, well, but we were, this doesn't go. Me, no, but me and Benji were always like, yeah, why don't you guys yeah. just, why don't you just not? You know all the charisma stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm positive that you could write yourself a paper on exactly how to have a conversation with him where you both left feeling great and you didn't yeah. argue. And you go, yeah, yeah, I know. Just don't want to. Can't. Mm-hmm. That's what you'd say. I can't. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And and I was unaware of how or why or yeah, exactly. what well, might so be were, contributing so to we. it. And if you told me this and you'd said this happened, I've got you. And if you just sat me down in a therapist and said, I said, yeah, I, I get it, but no. I mean, I would have searched my conscious brain mm-hmm. and gone, that does not add up. Yeah, but again, I'm at, I'm at the bottom of this iceberg on this experience. That has impacted me, is yes. what you would have said. Yes, yes, that happened. And that was kind never, of my awareness I never of it. Think I, of I knew it. that it happened. I was not a thing, I though. never think yeah. of it. It didn't impact me. That was your, exactly. that was your thought. Exactly. And then it was like, no, just kidding. <laughs> no, just this kidding. repressed. It was so big. And leading to yeah. a lot of things you don't realize in yourself. Yes. So it was so big. And in retrospect, it's funny because it's, where there's smoke, there's obvious. fire. And if anyone had described my experience as if it happened to a third party, I'd have said, of course that person has things to deal with because of that. Yeah. But when it's you, you, you check your conscious brain and no, I don't, I don't see anything. Yeah. So anyway, so I had shame issues around my dad. It, I mean, shame generally with with everybody. You know, I think it, it drew a, a a 
line between me and, uh, and other people generally, particularly men, you know, because that's like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> I hate you, but I want to be close to you. Like that sort of pattern, I think, acts out. And it was the hardest experience of my life, but one after which I don't want to say that there's been some behavioral shifts. Like, I mean, I obviously I went with my family to Italy, even though sure. we left early. And like, I realized the, the importance of that. But one big behavioral shift is a recognition that I want to be closer to my family. And I'm not done doing that. But it's it's getting better. And, and that mm-hmm. is on the road. And I also have to say, it's not terrible. Like, it sounds like we're, we hate each other. We were just separated by things that I couldn't define and didn't know why. So that's been one big one. And a second thing, which has just become so much more important to me, is is what they call integration, which is taking the pieces of your past, these emotions that you've said I can't have or are too difficult to deal with, and bringing them into your identity and saying this is me too. So this is part of me, and this thing that I don't like is part of me. And when you do that, there's a comfort because you feel like we talk about no matter what, everything will be okay in terms of confidence. This is like existential I will be okay because there are not things about me which I will cast aside and Mm. say are evil and so that's that's a process that I continue to try to do and see like what have I split from myself because I need to bring it back in order to feel completely at peace in the world so that was that was a huge thing and ever and since then I've kind of been like all right like I got through a massive chapter I put a full pause on it uh, I will go again and, and sort of look into these sorts of things. Oh, you've got it on the calendar to go again, right? Yeah. But I say this because what happened, if you if you were to zoom out, is I solved a fundamental problem which I never, ever, ever would have identified as a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think these things are so powerful because if I'd gone to therapy, I would have talked about the problems that I, that I am aware of and mm-hmm. we could have solved the problems that I am aware of. But these were not even problems that I was aware of. They were so core to who I was that I couldn't have identified it as yeah. an issue. And a good therapist might have gotten there because they might have asked you Maybe. questions. They might have said, yes. I get that that's what you want to share, but I'm just going to ask you questions yeah. about your childhood. But I, from what I've heard, it would have taken a long time. Yes. Even people who are proponents of therapy, I'm not anti, I actually I'm, think I'm therapy is super pro-therapy. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a longer process, you know, mm-hmm. it can take years. And so I think what you got could have been gotten with a good therapist. Yeah. But not not in the speed with which, you know, you got it. Sure. Sure. And there's still, of course, you you it's not a magic bullet because then you have to live it. You have to do it. Mm-hmm. There's a practice of of not letting yourself continue to disassociate or continue to split things off. But that's why I want it for other people, because it. It's a unique approach to things. I do believe there are other ways there. I believe meditation gets you there. I believe that there's that there's uh, somatic experience. Actually, there's a great legal way to get a touch of this. Yeah, which is holotropic holotropic breathing. Which uh, there's actually a lot of those places in the U.S. And if you don't have a place near you in the U.S., you can find guidance online sometimes. Yeah, and it is not ayahuasca, but it does get you ten percent, fifteen percent of that experience. Which for some people, I've gone to these classes where you do it. Hmm. you'll have a guy next to you all of a sudden just burst into tears. Yeah. Or you'll have a woman down the way just burst into laughter from just doing this breath, this guided breath work with certain music and a certain cadence. So if people are curious in how to tap into this short term, they're watching this like, oh, I don't know anyone I can get yeah, yeah. ayahuasca from. I highly, highly recommend holotropic breath work. So all of that <laughs> is, that's what I want to do for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I, I love what Charisma on Command is. I think it takes, it, it, 
it is the map of my life, which is you deal with the things that you're aware of, you realize you can change your life, you begin to optimize, you realize that you are more than what you think you are, and that is what I am addressing now. And that's what I want to give to other people. So it's not just about do we have these substances in whatever center we have. It's do we also have the breath work? Do we have the integration mm -hmm. follow-up? Are you being coached in a way that is, is supportive? So my vision, my dream five to ten years down the line is to be able to to provide that kind of experience for other people who need it. Yeah. Um, I like our journey too. Like I actually think it's a pretty good again, I'm biased. Someone would say going the opposite way is just as good. Yeah. But I like the okay, you're you're dissatisfied with your circumstances, yeah. right? So you fix your circumstances, you quit your job, yeah. you start your dream business, you don't like your relationships with people, so you learn to be really charismatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, you've got a business you love, you feel charismatic, you feel confident, your life looks good, and then you go, okay, well now I'm gonna do this deep work that's mm -hmm. just for me, that's just for myself. That's what we did. That's what I that's the curriculum I would offer. Me too. I, 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 sure, you can bypass it. You can just go be a monk, and maybe that's an excellent way to do it. But I'm just saying that's my vision for what we do is you start at the YouTube channel. My vision is, yeah, go change into, the world. Yeah, go, you start go external. Channel. You, you know, maybe get into Charisma University. Mm -hmm. You become charismatic. You become confident. You create your dream life. You also get a little bit older. You yeah. know, now you've got this dream life. And then you go, am I, am I satisfied or do I still feel things that need work? Oh, sure. I, they need work and I don't know what they are. Then you come to our center totally. or our retreat and or whatever it is. The, the journey outside is – it's hard when you start, but it's easier than the journey inside. So I think it's a good ramp up, which is, okay, let's you know, let's get your confidence socially in place. Let's get your charisma in place. Do you, are you satisfied with your job and your relationship? Great. Now let's go – like yeah. you've, you've, you've learned that level of mastery. We're going to go to the next level. So do you want to share – Sorry, via, this is random. We've never talked about this. I wonder if we should find someone we trust – to work with on the entrepreneurship stuff because i'm just thinking it would be pretty cool so there's like health wealth relationships yeah. right those are the things that matter i think mm -hmm. health is covered by a hundred thousand gurus yeah but we do the relationship self-confidence charisma stuff there's a lot of people that don't like their jobs and actually sure. when i'm doing these interviews of charisma university students i ask them what else would you like from us mm -hmm. they're like charisma university's got the charisma stuff no yeah. one's ever been like oh i wish you had more yeah, 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 charisma yeah. stuff that's a mistake that i've made but, i'm like i add bonuses and people are like no they're like, but... no they're like this is it this is it we're good but what a lot of people have said is i'd love to know how you guys started charisma on command interesting i'd like to know how to, how do you start a youtube channel successful or how did you know yeah. to do charisma and it's just you know these are the people that have already gone through it and that's what they want next so i'm just thinking what helped my life was quitting my job to start a business i love becoming charismatic and then doing this work. And mm -hmm. we're talking about the charisma stuff and the doing this work stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I think we should figure out a way to help people who don't like their jobs to yeah. do something they love. Sure, sure. I We should either partner or partner and then do a, a module for this person yeah, yeah. related to YouTube. I just thought of this. Yeah. Sorry, it's just like right we'll, off the We'll chat you. <laughs> and this is uh, the, the other thing that I should – I don't know that people care about this, but this gets me excited. The podcast is cool, actually, because what the other projects we were looking at were like, should we add a new module to Charisma University? Well, I can do that, but it doesn't fire me up. This is fun, but what's even more exciting is what you're describing, is creating a center or a program or a thing that can reliably take someone to just a happier level in various areas of mm -hmm. their life and then do the deep – like that's, that's so exciting of a project, and I know I'll do a better job of it than I would on the next module yeah, yeah. inside of Charisma University. No, no, I'm just thinking – yeah, I'm just thinking out loud for us. Mm -hmm. Like we should probably do both. We will. I'm 100% I'm, I'm game. So tell well, me – first of all, how did you guys care? <laughs> you don't <laughs> let us know in the comments. But do you want to share anything beyond that in your first experience? Well, I think – so I think weirdly enough, I might have already shared this when the guy was mm -hmm. talking about laughter. Did I – Angel, did I talk about ayahuasca when I was answering the laughter question a couple weeks ago? 
I can do a quick version. I don't remember. Okay, so okay, I'll do a quickie. Yeah. So I you, I you unrepressed some laughter. I know it was a big thing. Well, I had vocal cord surgery. Yeah. Coming back from that, I was very defensive in my speaking, and so I actually went to ayahuasca to unrepress my sadness. I think we talked about this. Yeah. And I whiffed on that. <laughs> Still in there somewhere. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe I'm just never sad. But I am. It, un, I unrepressed joy. Mm -hmm. which was awesome yeah it was awesome and so the experience itself was fantastic but then in the many months since mm -hmm. it has stuck with me to the point where i feel confident saying that because of that weekend my life is full of more laughter more smiles more goofiness more playfulness than it was before Dope. so that was my second experience which was really awesome anything um, else that came you know what's interesting and i actually would say this to people who were working with us for when we do this it's like I went with intentions before. So first I was trying to figure out this relationship thing. Then I was trying to unrepress my emotions. I forget what I was doing next. Maybe I was trying to figure out how to feel more fulfilled. But then at some point I went and I just didn't have a purpose. I just yeah. went, this is good for me. This, yeah. this feels like going to the emotional gym. So I do it every four months or whatever it was and didn't get a lot back. And I think the message I took from it was you don't have to do this yeah. unless you have something. So I haven't been back since, but I feel very grateful for it. And it's on my, it's in my quiver in terms of arrows I can go to if life throws me something that I am struggling to handle or integrate. And so for instance, someone I'm really close to had someone pass away, a younger brother, which is always really tough. I think when someone younger in your family passes yeah. away. And so I sponsored her to go to ayahuasca and she said it was incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. So I think it's something that I have as a tool for people I love and for myself, but I've been, I think, four times. and Yeah, don't need to go. Three of them were great. They say and... that you feel called. They, yeah. and, and I think... It sounds stupid, but then, it, it, it's that, so but then it's true. accurate. Yeah. It's so true. And and, the, and when someone says it to you and you don't feel... Uh, like before I had yeah. the issues with my ex-girlfriend, people were like, do you want to do ayahuasca? I'm like, not really. They're like, well, you'll go when you're called. Like, All right, hippie. All right. All right. <laughs> Whatever you say, yeah. you know, dances with wolves. <laughs> like, I just like, yeah, these weirdos. And then all of a sudden I had, I had heard ayahuasca from a bunch of friends and then I was having a tough time emotionally. And I'm a pretty happy guy on the whole. And I was not such a happy guy. I was in a, not a great place. Yeah. And I was like, remember that ayahuasca thing? <laughs> Maybe it is calling my name. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's how I view it. I don't and think it's something like I go to the gym all the time just because I think it's good for you. I'm never but. called. <laughs> <laughs> I never hear the call. The call of the gym. The call of the gym. is That siren like... call does not make it to Charlie. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, yeah, ayahuasca for me, it's a, it was those two stories I've described. And then. Sure. So we're going to try to do this. We're going to we're, and and we will uh, of course be hyper concerned with practicalities, legalities. We're going to look into other compounds, but not be flippant about any of this. Well, you yeah. won't see any of this from us for a long time. Yeah. No, I think practicality, legality, and quality is the other thing. Of course. Like I, I'm sure we can find a place that something yeah. is legal, but we're going to make sure that it's really good. Yeah. We're going to make sure that it's consistently really good. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of work, but we'll see. We're going to start the research now, and like I said, we might come back in two weeks and just be like. Everything is illegal. It's impractical. Yeah. We can't do it. Are there? Do we do any news this week, Angel? No, we and got some not, fan questions. We got fan questions. We'll, yep. we'll do this one quick because this was sort of a yeah. yeah. Uh, before we do questions, do you guys want a response to last week's episode? Yeah, yeah. I liked yes, it. absolutely. So this was about marriage. I said if anyone does have yeah. a good, if anyone has a reason that I don't understand for why to get married <clears throat> in 2019, let us know. And this was, I thought, a very thoughtful response. Yeah. yeah. And so there were a couple different responses, but I picked the one that I thought sort of summarized um, the commenters' opinions the best. Noah says, I had some ideas for you about why to get married in 2019. Marriage is a ceremony of commitment that adds meaningful weight to the simple verbal promises of two people in love. 
Uh, he continues, for people who are religious, spiritual, or highly romantic, marriage is a way to profess their ideals to an audience of witnesses. Mm -hmm. Their ideals give the marriage meaning, and the witnesses give their union some social legitimacy and accountability that you wouldn't get without a public announcement or ceremony. Sure. So I, I like all of that. The only thing I don't hear in that is contract. <laughs> and so I'm for th that in just about every area of life. You want to get fit? Go, go make an announcement. Tell people. Have them mm -hmm. hold you accountable and, and state your ideals out there. Uh, yes. And just the, don't sign a contract. Well, I think the one thing, the one thing that's a little bit weird is if you're religious, which I, which I totally get, which I, it's not something I factor in. It has nothing in. to do with the state, my friend. It has nothing to do with I the state. I don't know what the, I'm not religious. I don't know what the Bible says. So you can have a marriage religion that has nothing to do with the government legally doing. Well, so yes, that's what I'm saying. You can have a priest. Now, this might, this, this might sign yeah. you up for a common law marriage. Sure. This might just make <laughs> yeah, it so yeah, yeah, when yeah. you get divorced, you're still screwed. But if it weren't the case that this binds you in some sort of legal method, mm -hmm. having a priest or a rabbi or someone up there to say nice things, to sanctify your marriage under the eyes of God, I don't think we're opposed to. No, not it's, at all. It, yeah, that's what's I'm important to you. Do whatever you want. No, for sure. <laughs> I'm not opposed to Yeah, yeah, if you, you want to sign to. to be fair, yeah, if you want to sign a marriage contract, <laughs> yeah. it's just a it's just a fiscally irresponsible decision. <laughs> but no, I think that that's I think those are good points that I think I'm I have no objection to. And the thing is along with that, do you feel obligated to sign a contract which basically all it does is guarantee that whoever is the lower earner in the relationship will get money from the higher earner upon breakup. Mhm. Mm and that's the part that we're like, well, why would I sign this? Or, or maybe there should be other stipulations to that contract as well. That well, that's <laughs> the thing I always laugh at. Did we talk about this last week? I don't the know. Whole, um, the whole, this idea Tony Robbins talked about his divorce. And he says, you know, she's, she, she was married to me. And so she got accustomed to a certain quality of life. So now that she's divorced, I maintain the same quality of life for her. And it's funny because it's actually not the same quality of life mm -hmm. for either party. Yeah. It's just money. Yeah. Ostensibly, when that marriage happens, yeah. one party makes more money and they go, we'll combine finances. But then also people are exchanging love, lo love physical affection, yeah. chores around the house. And There's none like of that other is things insured. that go. None of and that yeah, is when insured. the divorce happens, nobody goes and cleans up the other person's house. Yep. Nobody is forced to go hug the person when they're feeling sad or listen to them on the phone because something bad happened at work. The only thing that continues <laughs> is the money. That's yeah. the weird part. I so, agree. so, so yeah, I, I, uh, doing it in front of people that makes a ton of sense to me yeah ceremony whatever you want to do thank you for the comment I, no i thought I it was really that's... i thought it, and it was very well written whoever wrote that i read the whole thing and yeah non-combative and thoughtful i dig it i dig it well done so you guys want to answer some questions let's do sure. it so ashley asks how does one overcome cognitive dissonance and <laughs> value systems ayahuasca no. <laughs> if, uh, if, so, well it continues sorry if you value something such as prestige money etc oh, but you man. know you shouldn't how do you change that this is hard and this is yeah. a, this is a, such a good question Great i don't question. maybe you realize if for those who haven't asked this question this is one of the most important questions you can ask mm -hmm. which is how do i stop valuing the things that make me unhappy because whew, that's it right mm -hmm. if you could orient yourself towards the things that you have statistical experiential data will actually improve the quality of your life and your joy and your happiness it's easy the problem is we still want to be famous and beautiful and well liked and, and have a ton of instagram followers so how do you 
how do you do this? I have had some success, but not complete with this. And I'll share you the things that have, that have helped. One is to treat it like an addiction in that alcoholics don't hang out in bars if they're smart. And people who seek validation don't hang out on Instagram yeah. <laughs> if they're smart. They don't, they don't go to the places and they don't hang out in the environments that trigger them. And what I can say is, you know, having gotten off of this stuff. And validation would count, I would count prestige in there, which was yes. her question. I, I like prestige. Yes. Prestige is about the perception of other people. Sure. Prestige is not really about your accomplishments. If, oh, no. If you continue to accomplish great things in your career and in your philanthropic efforts, but you just don't brag about them on social media, you're now just doing good stuff. Mm -hmm. You're no mm -hmm. longer trying to chase the prestige. Mm-hmm. So what I've seen, and then this is true of addiction as well, there's a massive difference between zero and one. Mm -hmm. Like zero drinks and one drink are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so five minutes a day of Instagram and zero minutes of a day of Instagram are very, very different in terms of how your brain gets wired. So I would, I would advise you to find the things that trigger these values that you'd like to shift, whatever they are, whether they're people, whether it's a place, an app, a job that you may have, and cut it to zero. What if it's friends? What if you have a friend group that's very prestige hungry and it's constantly asking you how much you make? Or, yeah. Oh, did you get the promotion? Or what firm did you work at? Mm -hmm. Oh, you got that firm? That's crazy. That's so good. Yeah. What do you do now? Because they're your friends. So I have, uh, well, I think you might have an answer. No, I don't. So what we did, I was really lucky. One person makes all the difference. Human beings need social validation to feel like they're not schizophrenic yeah, and crazy. Yeah, they're not insane. So having been when I started my business, while everyone else told me I was crazy and I wasn't going to do it and this is a waste of my time, I, I felt not crazy at all. <laughs> well, we we kind of, because we had each other, got to yes. go, no, you guys are the crazy You're ones. the you crazy You ones. don't get it. Because yes. I had a ton of friends. I still do. I have super high-paying, prestigious mm -hmm. jobs in, in finance on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And they were all like, you're going to leave to go to Brazil to start yeah. a business that does what? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I, had to, I got to go to you. I got to go, these people don't get it. But if I was by myself, I think it would it would have been a lot of pressure. Yes, that would have eventually. So seek out me. and find at least one individual, and in order to do that, you have to speak up. So I had to give all these books that I like to all of my friends and saw who it took to them, and they didn't all. And Ben had to get the four yeah, hour work week. Ninety percent of people. Ben had to give the four hour work week to a bunch of people, and they didn't care. But luckily, we were best friends, and we both happened to seize upon upon this book. Yeah that that put us down a different path so that was one if if you can get just one person and then man make that make that your home base and build and from grow. there it will it will grow, grow. because then you'll be wearing on your sleeve whatever you do so yes. you're, you're trying not to care about prestige but you will care about something right maybe mm -hmm. it's helping people and, and not posting about it yeah you will find a place to volunteer and the people there will be volunteers and mm -hmm. some of them will be doing it for the instagram likes and you'll avoid those people yeah but you'll meet other genuine by doing what you actually want to be doing you'll meet other people that have those values. Yeah. And then, so so that's that's the one that has really worked the best. When I look at the things in my life that are the most stubborn changes, it's that. Other things are these massive intervention experiences. So I don't just mean ayahuasca, which we talked about, but I also mean I've gone to personal development program, weekend things, where they get you for 40 hours over the course of the weekend and they beat you down and you break at some point and something something shifts inside of you doesn't make all the change but those have been valuable um i know that some people say that about landmark uh, like, i would recommend books actually so for i was dude i was as yeah. prestige hungry as you get so yeah i was a nerdy kid growing up wasn't good looking or good at sports so i just went okay well what's going to get me any sort of pat on the back is great mm -hmm. 
suddenly I wanted to go to whatever was the best school I could get into. It's all I cared about, right? Yeah. I wanted to go to California so bad, but I ended up going to Philadelphia. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's a ridiculous decision. Yeah. And then I did not want to go into investment banking when I was a sophomore. I ended up in investment banking because mm-hmm. it's what all my fraternity brothers were patting each other on the back for. Sure. And so what firm did I go to? I went to the most prestigious one. Yeah. I was very prestige hungry. And I read a book and it completely changed my paradigm. Sure. So I think reading reading alternative paradigms, reading things written by people who don't have the values that you mm-hmm. want to avoid, that can actually be some of the most life-changing stuff. Yeah. Because I, weirdly enough, I was that to a T until I was 22. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Couldn't find someone more prestige hungry. I didn't want the money. I just wanted the validation and the pats on the back. Sure. And the last thing that I'll say, and this one has worked – this works for the ones that aren't the deepest in you, but are like mid-level things that are stuck in you, is a video we have called How to Stop Self-Sabotage, I believe. And it has an exercise in there where you go and you do free association to pull out whatever associations you have to prestige or to money. And what you'll realize is some of the roots of these. Not every time, but you can get in there. And that that helped me with actually limitations around earning money. You know, I, I put the brakes on our business for a long time because I thought that earning more money would make me unhappy because I lived in New York City and I was seeing all of these rich, unhappy people. And it was only when I did this exercise that's in How to Stop Self-Sabotage that I saw that and went, oh my gosh, this doesn't line up and I could start to unravel that. Mm. So that long answer, but these these are a handful of places to start. It's tough though. It's a great question. It's the question. It's the question. I've kept my worst one. (laughs) I think most people have, so you're safe in good company. I just like to date. (laughs) Go ahead, Angel. So the next question comes from Evelyn. Uh, Evelyn asks, would you ever consider making a video on the calm, gentle charisma of people like Mr. Rogers, Bob Ross, or Sister Wendy? I'd love to hear your commentary on that style. It could be a nice change of pace for you after all the alpha male research. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I I have notes on a Mr. Rogers video. Now, maybe uh, Tom Hanks is doing Mr. Rogers, correct? Tom Hanks is up next. Yeah, yeah, uh, Tom Hanks is doing the movie. So... The only thing is, I there are there's lots of people I want to do breakdowns of who are have different kinds of charisma. They're just not famous. Yeah, no, no, not I mean, not no one, but a lot of people don't want to watch them. Yes, especially when they're not top of mind. Yes. So and if you just release a randomly timed Bob Ross video, it's not necessarily going to do so very well. Of those, I would say Mr. Rogers is the closest. He's got this movie. He's a well. Li- that's the thing. You could, it could be that could be the catalyst for yes. a Mr. Rogers breakdown. Yes, and he is a beast. Did you hear his thing about oh, Congress? And yes, the it's incredible. It's incredible. Oh he's so he's he's got he's got something going on yeah. that is truly magical, and I would love to do that breakdown. Maybe when that movie comes out. The only thing is that I have to put whoever I do. It's roughly the same amount of effort that goes into it, and to get one tenth the results of a Tom Holland is just it's demoralizing. Yeah, yeah. You might as well just go do one that's gonna <laughs> yeah. do well because it's the same amount of work. And as much as it is. I make these combination. They're for me because they're fun when I am enjoying them, but they're for an audience. And if the audience doesn't care, then I'm just kind of being self-indulgent. So if I can find a way to marry those, I think of the ones you mentioned, Mr. Rogers could be on the horizon actually though. So cool. I I think so. What else? So Nicholas uh, asks, where did your philosophies of charisma come from? Was it inspired from an idol of some sort or did you have to teach yourself from your own inspiration if so uh what events transpired that caused this change in you my philosophy of charisma 
I mean, I have my idea. I'm curious what you think. Of what charisma is or of how to be charismatic? I I, I think the question is just what inspired you guys to uh, teach charisma, basically. So we'll just try to answer them all rapid fire. So we teach charisma because we weren't charismatic. Yeah. And then we studied it and it was absolutely life-changing. Probably mm-hmm. the single most life-changing thing we did in our 20s, maybe tied with starting the business, right? So that's mm-hmm. why we teach it how to become charismatic i modeled a lot of the people that were successful yeah. i can think of my one friend austin who i thought of absolute monster yeah. of a charismatic isn't even my friend <laughs> yeah just a beast just the most <laughs> likable guy and so i i mean it's funny he was in my fraternity and i just was like this is the coolest person that i've ever met it's the most yeah. charismatic guy any room he walks into lights it up eyes on him everyone wants to be around him i was like i'm just going to become really good friends with this guy because yeah. he's the man and then once i was friends with him I started to see everything he was doing because all of a sudden I was hanging out with him so much I could see the patterns. Yeah. I was like, wow, like I can do this. This looks fun. It's not a chore to be, it's not a chore to be charismatic. It's funny. It's like, oh, be louder and more fun and touch more and laugh more and do these things. Like, yeah. So he was, he was hugely instrumental in kind of shaping my personal growth through college. Yeah. Um, I only, I had limited interactions with him and he, he shaped my concept of charisma. I mean, that's, that's the the kind of influence he had. I remember a compliment that he gave me over 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember where I was. I remember what the room looked like. I wanted to, I wanted two things. I wanted the results that he got. I wanted the way that everyone looked at him and listened to him. And I wanted the way that women reacted to him without him seeming to try. Not, yeah, it was did. incredible. Was effortless. And I also wanted to make people feel the way that he made me feel. And because I, I remember he I walked in the room and he said, what do you study, man? I said, I study philosophy. He said, philosophy? That's awesome. Yeah. And it wasn't just the way he said it. It was everything that he'd done to establish his position of authority. Body language. It was and I was crying. like, philosophy is awesome. I didn't think it was, but you said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, he's great. And uh, I wanted to be able to do that. Yeah. So he, he was a, it was people around me and one of whom was, was him that sort of shaped what I wanted to create and craft yeah, yeah. in the world. You can do it. You can do it with friends. You can do it at work. I know mm-hmm. there was a guy, um, there was a partner in Hellman and Friedman that everybody loved. And one of the people under him, I forget what is the principal or whatever, basically just said, I'll do any work for you. I'll do whatever. He just yeah. got himself underneath him as kind of a mentor mentee relationship so that he could learn to be like him because mm-hmm. everybody loved him. Everybody wanted to work for him. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, yeah, just got close to him by doing good work for him and then learned from him and, Basically, I, I felt how people make me feel, and I went, wow, I want more of that. And then that was what defined charisma for me in a large way. And then I started looking in the world and seeing this, is, this, is, this has been a shift. I, I should say this. For a long time, I thought it was what do I like, and I thought, oh, stupid Justin Bieber. He's got nothing. You know, I thought Donald Trump, like oh, only crazy people like him. And I shifted my position right around when Trump was coming up to – if I can't understand why something is a cultural wildly phenomenon, popular. wildly popular, it's not crazy. I'm just not seeing it. Yeah. And so my philosophy on charisma has shifted to include things that I might not want in my own life, might not aspire to, but are still hitting on such some fundamental common thread of psychology that they're incredibly popular. So I have become intrigued, and that's why I did the video on Donald Trump. I've become intrigued by boy bands. I've become mm. intrigued by these sorts, by Twilight. In but, <laughs> like, but what I will say is it is really tough when you're modeling someone to model a piece of them. Yeah. Because I have tried to learn from people who I was like, I don't want to be like that person, but mm-hmm. I want this one aspect of yeah. them. 
can't do it. Tough, yeah. really tough. You accidentally take on mm-hmm. more than you mean to. Sure. So I think it's it's nice, especially when you're starting out. Just find somebody where you're like, wow, I wish I had what that person had. I wish I got the reactions that they had from other people or for myself, and then be like, okay, now I'm just going to try to pay attention to what do they do that makes me feel that way, or mm-hmm. what do they do that lights up the room. Yeah. Because yeah. it's really hard to just get the the I one agree. good thing and the bad stuff gets attached and yeah, all of a sudden yeah. you're a dick don't necessarily model anyone that you don't like but my my idea of charisma has expanded to include people who are socially effective sure and that might mean in an ad that might mean in the way that they public speak that might mean in well, the way that they write a song one of the, one of the definitions of charisma is just the ability to make other people feel to influence emotions, and inspire right? yeah yeah uh, t- I think it's I should know this it's to inspire devotion in others is is what it is and that's kind of how I look at it these yeah, days. Yeah, it makes sense. So there might be things that are in that box that I want nothing to do with, but they're in the box of, of charisma and they're worth understanding at the Yeah, you don't, need to, you don't need to have every single version of charisma mm-hmm. to be charismatic. Correct. You can pick and choose. Correct. There's a type thing. Didn't you do six types? We did five types. But five types. Nice to have you on. For the Marvel? <laughs> no, no, I tell you, you're right. So I did five types of charisma. I did six types of attractive men. Oh, uh, got um, it. But yeah. What's the five types? Who is that? The five types are for within Charisma University. It's when oh, that's not on the YouTube channel. Well, I, I the I the types are out there. Yeah. I, when when you go through Charisma University, what What's, I suggest is that you pick one of these types and and steer towards it because not everybody's going to want to be the same. Introverted people might want one versus what's the next that video? The five types. Oh, I don't know. We'll put it in the description. All right, we'll put it in the description. But yeah, so there's five broad categories of charisma that I see, and I actually think I got them pretty well. There's one other that I was going to include, but I didn't because it wasn't personality driven. But it does inspire devotion, which is beauty. Hmm. And I was like, not as useful though in terms exactly. Of but there's there's no arguing that if you go by the definition, it inspires devotion. I mean, look at Instagram. There sure. are people devoted to those who are beautiful. But that was I cut that. I said, okay, we're gonna do five not types as that learnable. are that are the personality driven. Yeah. <laughs> More acquirable. More acquirable. Eh, these days, beauty can be can be purchased, especially on Instagram. Depends on what your definition yeah. is. <laughs> I agree. Go ahead. What else we got, Angel? Uh, that's actually it, uh, it for this week. Dope. All right, bang, guys. Bang. Maybe we'll see you in a week. Yeah. Maybe we'll see you in two weeks. Maybe we'll see you in, oh, definitely in two weeks, if not a week. We're going to do our research, and we will have, at the very least, an update in Click two weeks. Click the notification bell to find Click the notification <laughs> bell if you want to make sure that you don't miss it. Yeah. But anyway, guys. All right. Thanks for watching. We love you. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.